Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. Heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. Hi, and welcome to our podcast, The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with the bipartisan firm Purple Strategies. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with the firm Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the latest polls driving the news in politics, tech, entertainment, and pop culture. We're so excited to have John Aristotle Phillips today. Uh, you and I have known each other for a while. You're a fixture in uh, voter sample and list technology, but we're primarily talking about today is Predict It, which is one of the, it's, I guess, the emerging market of political markets. So thanks, John, for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, Mike. So tell us a little bit about Predict It and what is, tell us about this new market of political markets. I know they've been going on for a while, but it seems like this is now becoming, there's been a lot more attention to the trading that goes on uh, around the election. Well, yeah, that's that's right. So this is this is a concept. Prediction markets are not a brand new concept. The the idea that markets of any type help uh, predict have predictive ability, in other words, can tell you a little bit about what's going to happen in the future, uh, is is well established. Why they have that predictive value is, of course, a subject of a lot of interest and study by academics. Um, and by traders, because if you can tell the future by looking at market prices, in other words, if there's price discovery, as it's referred to, uh, that can help you mitigate risk and plan for the future. So predict it is a like a stock market, but it's for politics and it allows traders who have invested as little as ten dollars to buy and sell shares on possible political outcomes. And the market essentially puts somebody who thinks something is going to happen together with something somebody who thinks something is not going to happen in a $1 winner-take-all contract. And so, for example, if I think that Donald Trump is going to be the uh, Republican nominee, I can offer to buy a share in the outcome that he will be the nominee for anywhere from a penny to 99 cents and predict it will put me together with somebody who thinks Donald Trump will not be the nominee and take the opposite side of the bet. So if the bets, if the, if the market is trading Donald Trump's to be the nominee at 76 cents, which it is today, I can put down 76 cents for the chance to win a dollar if he is the nominee. And if I try to take the other side, I can put down 23 cents or 20, four cents for uh, the chance to win a dollar if he's not the nominee. 
So you know, a lot of people have been saying that this election, the experts are wrong. That the conventional wisdom doesn't mean anything anymore. People didn't think Trump would be in you know in the thick of things. Certainly not leading the pack、uh, a year ago when when the Trump. Trump surge began, and so tell me, what is it about the predictive markets that differentiates it from conventional wisdom? Which conventional wisdom is not, you know, always necessarily in touch with what regular voters think. Right. Well, and th so there's conventional wisdom. There's what the voters would say in a poll.、Um, there's what the voters actually would do. Uh, on an election day, and then there's of course the reality, which is <laughs> what's going to happen, what actually does happen. So there's lots of different sources of information. Prediction markets function as well as they do, and are as accurate as they are because one reason is because it the people who are answering the question of what is going to happen in the future actually have skin in the game. So everybody's got an opinion, but when you actually put have a little bit of money riding on it. You are more likely to think harder about what you think is going to happen rather than what you want to have happen, and so that is one of the reasons, one of the explanations for prediction markets. Another explanation is that these markets, like any market, they attract people with superior information. In the financial stock market, it's called insider information, but it really is information of people who think they know more than what the crowd thinks, and based on that information. Can make a little bit of money, so there's a that's those are two reasons why these prediction markets are so accurate, and there are other theories as well. Now, do you, so there isn't as any such thing as insider trading, right? I mean, campaign operatives and pollsters and reporters can all participate in these markets with all the inside background information they may have. Yeah, experts, people who consider themselves experts, or they've got a little bit of advantageous information, or they are. You know, just good guessers. You know, whatever it may be,、um, the 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 fact of the matter is that you know, political so-called political experts like you or me, we we may be, we may not be more prescient in terms of what we think is going to happen.、Um, you know, there's a part of the academic research that that、uh, predicted ties into is, and we're providing this. Trading information on an anonymized basis to 18 different universities in the United States and Oxford University in in the UK. Questions such as Are people who live in Iowa more likely, more accurate predictors of the outcome of the Iowa caucuses than people who live live outside of Iowa? Are people who live in the Beltway more accurate? Are people who are Republicans better able to pick the Democratic nominee? Predict who's going to be the Democratic nominee than independents or Democrats, for instance.、Um, it, it's it's a very interesting area of study. So, who makes the best predictors is is going to be something we're going to be able to shed some light on. You know, the market so far is taking all the markets that have been opened up over the last year is is correct about eighty seven percent of the time. So it's not a hundred percent. But it's certainly an impressive track record. Do you think that that's better than the polls? I mean, we haven't had too many polling misses if you look at the aggregate and the various averages so far. I think the polls measure something something different, of course,、um, and the prediction markets.、Uh, so I don't I don't have a way to compare it to polling. Generally speaking,、mm -hmm. the further out you are from the election. The more likely it is that predictors of delta, there's a prediction markets are going to be more accurate than polling. Because again, we, you know, the polling says who would you vote for if the election were held today. A prediction market 
that's not what it's that's not what it's measuring. It's measuring what do you think is actually going to happen, not who you want. So I think there's a there's there are different sources of information. Markets are have their advantages, but of course, polling is much better at getting at the why. You know, why do you like or dislike this candidate? Why do you feel strongly that the country's going in the right direction? That sort of thing. There is no substitute for for good polling. Right, right. We we talk about that on the show regularly. That the horse race. There's so much attention on the horse race when pollsters know there's a, a whole bunch of truly more useful and interesting information beyond the horse race. Basically, every other question besides the horse race. But yes. people don't, I guess, wager on how people feel about you know. The Scalia nomination, uh, the nomination to replace uh, Scalia's seat, or maybe they do. But they, there's is this obsession over the horse race alone. Yes, yeah. And that, if, if what you want to know is what's the likely outcome, yeah, markets are pretty good at that. So, how is this legal? So people can right now um, bet real money. Is, is that that's legal? That's legal gaming nationwide. Well, it's actually not considered gaming. It's um, the the. Victoria University of Wellington um, received what's called a no action letter from the Commodities Future Trading Commission uh, back in 2014. Uh, and the so so the market is not stock markets are not considered gambling. I know some people think they're nothing but gambling, but um, stock markets are are regulated differently. And this is a, a, a prediction market that is that is structured like a stock market. Now, there are limits, of course, there are limits to that. You, no single trader can have more than eight hundred and fifty dollars in a in a particular market. Uh, there are limits on the number of traders. There's limits. You have to be eighteen years of age or older. There are a number of limits on the on this. But it's it's set up like a stock market. If if what you want to do is gamble, you can. You know, there are plenty of places to go. You know, you guess you can go to Vegas. Um, so would you say that this is similar in terms of the regulations and in terms of the uh, of how you view it to uh, fantasy football and fantasy gaming? I think the fantasy also is different. You know, they were first of all, there's no sports on there's no no stocks in 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 sports. And uh, that's another restriction on this. Uh, and of course, fantasy was all about sports. So they're not you know, they're not uh, uh, the, the fantasy uh, sports leagues were were not structured like stock markets, um, and I, I'm really not an expert on on what their legal standing is. So, um, so tell us what's interesting these days in terms of what you predict it predicts in terms of the Republican nomination, which is obviously always a rollicking good time, I suppose, to watch, maybe not to actually think about our eventual nominee. <laughs> What's going on in terms of uh, where predicted is? Well, it's interesting. You know, so the, the traders in the market were accurately predicting that Trump was going to get into the election back in the spring. And, and this is when, you know, experts were saying this is another head fake. He's not getting in for, you know, for Eight years, he's always faked that he was going to run for president, and he never did. It's a publicity stunt. Um, Trump got into the market, and the market was saying that he was going to get into the market. Since that time, and especially since the the uh, beginning of the year, you know, Trump has held a commanding lead in people thinking that he was going to be the nominee. As of this moment, he's trading at seventy six cents. He's up uh, four cents um, uh, today. Uh, if you believe he's going to be the nominee, you can buy no shares on that for 25 cents. Uh, if you think he's not going to be the nominee uh, behind him and that 
pretty far behind is Rubio at 24 cents. Uh, he's down two cents today. Then there's Cruz at five cents. This again, this is to be the Republican nominee. Uh, and then Kasich at two cents and even Paul Ryan um, at uh, at two cents. So that's the status of the market. That's Paul the Ryan. Market so, saying. yeah, because I guess people are thinking there'll be a brokered convention, right? Is that why Paul Ryan is at two cents? I would, I would think so. Um, and they think it's, a, you know, two percent, two cents, really the way to look at that. Is it? They think it's a two percent chance mm-hmm. um, that he's that he's going to be the uh, Republican nominee. On the Democratic side, uh, Clinton um, is uh, you know has a significant. You know, who will be the twenty sixteen Democratic nominee? Clinton's at eighty six cents. That's that may not come as a surprise to anyone. She's down a penny today. Sanders is holding even at about fifteen cents. So if you think Sanders is going to be the nominee, you can for fifteen cents you can pick up a chance to make a buck. Now one of the interesting things, Marty, is that you don't have to wait until the Democratic convention to cash in if, you're, if your hunch was correct. In other words, if you think Sanders is going to be the nominee, you can buy shares in Sanders for 15 cents. And then if he has a particularly good debate performance or things start to look you know, good for him, the price of that stock will go up. And it might not go up to a dollar, uh, but it might double to 30 cents. And so you can like Sanders at 15 cents and hate him at 30 cents um, because you think that's the, the odds are overstated when it's 30 cents or 50 cents. So you can buy and sell. And there's a lot of day trading that takes place mm. based on, you know, up to the minute things that are happening in the uh, in the presidential election. How many people are trading or, you know, what's the size of the market? So there are uh, about 21, 20, actually 22,000 traders in, in overall. Uh, but no more than 5,000 in any particular market. And uh, the people are coming in and out of the market all the time. Um, and so, you know, some markets are more popular than others. I was going to say, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the you know, who will win the 2016 U.S. presidential election. The market right now is saying Hillary is at 53 cents. So a little better than even odds. Uh, Trump is at 38 cents. Rubio is at 13 cents. And Sanders is at nine cents. And then you've got Cruz at four. You got Bloomberg at three and Biden at two cents. Wow. Cruz is at the same level as people who are not candidates. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what the market's saying anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so, uh, well, that is all really interesting. Tell us a little bit about your trajectory and journey into predicted. Uh, I, you know, you and I know each other through your work with Aristotle. So tell us a little bit about Aristotle. So Aristotle is a uh, 30, was founded 30 years ago by my brother and, and me. Uh, we uh, started it as a nonpartisan technology supplier to political candidates. I, I ran um, for the United States Congress and won the Democratic nomination in Fairfield County, Connecticut for the U.S. Congress uh, and then lost the general election to an incumbent. And I was convinced, my brother and I were convinced that it was, that it was, not a good thing that candidates needed to rely on the party structure uh, for the kind of sustenance and and uh, expertise and things as simple as the voter list. Um, if you weren't the favorite of the party in, in those days in Connecticut, you never you didn't get the voter list. And so we started Aristotle to to correct that, to provide technology, really good technology and data to candidates that may be incumbents, they may be challengers, it could be Republicans or Democrats or third party candidates. That was not the point. The point was to even the playing field 
uh, among people who want to influence decisions at the ballot box. And since that time, you know, we've grown. Um, we have headquarters in Washington, D.C., in San Diego, in Atlanta, offices in New York, in Toronto. And we've got data centers outside of the D.C. area and in the United Kingdom. Cool. And how did you, you know, I didn't know this about you. I learned something about you today before we spoke that you tried to um, build a nuclear weapon while you were a youngster, while you were a student. Can you tell us about that? That's sure. something you don't come reputa- across every day. Yeah. So the, the, the reputation is a little more uh, exaggerated than the reality. I was a student at, at Princeton, an undergraduate. And at Princeton, you have um, what's called a junior thesis. And a senior thesis. And so for my junior, I was a physics major at the time. And for my junior thesis, um, I, I was interested in the threat of nuclear proliferation and the danger that was posed by the chance that terrorist groups or, or uh, third world countries would, would acquire nuclear weapons. It's a danger that, that continues today. But at the time, the prevailing theory was that you didn't, you know, it was okay to be exporting nuclear technology to shaky regimes because there was no chance they could turn it into an atomic bomb. It would only be used for for so-called peaceful purposes. And there was some skepticism, which I wanted, which I shared that this was the case. And so I was I, I, I went to my thesis advisor and said, I'd like to try to design an atomic bomb for publicly available documents. Uh, we're not going to publish it, of course. We're, I just want to see how difficult it would be. And he said, um, sure, give it a try. I'm not going to be able to tell. He had security clearances. He, actually, he's a very eminent theoretical physicist named Freeman Dyson, who you may know. So Freeman was my thesis advisor. And uh, you know, three months later, I, I dropped the paper off at the, the uh, physics department you know, inbox for junior thesis students. And when I went to pick it up uh, a couple weeks later to get my grade, I was told it had been locked up. And so as it turned out, um, you know, it was a it was a atomic bomb design. Uh, of course, you don't know if if they're going to work until you actually test it. And, and it would take a lot more to, to ascertain how how big the bang would be. But it's you know, it, it, it was a wake up call. And as a result of this. Uh, about uh, six months later, uh, the and there was a, quite a controversy. Uh, the um, sale of a plutonium reprocessing facility to Pakistan uh, was canceled, and this was in part due to the increasing concerns about the the spread of nuclear weapons uh, to terrorist groups and to criminal organizations, as well as to, to third world countries. Of course, the Pak's eventually got the atomic bomb. Wow, you you may have changed the course of history. I, I wish I had, but I don't think I did. I think, uh, you know, it, it maybe it alerted people to a. It, it did, I think. It alerted people to a, to a, a significant danger. Um, and perhaps, you know, who knows? Well, at, knows? The, at the very least, you can say that you've been on the forefront of a variety of technological developments and, and thoughts now for a while, whether it's through Aristotle or I guess I see that you were dubbed the A-bomb kid. I hope I'm not embarrassing you. That's what it, that's what, uh, that's what it turned up. It's a, it's a little late for that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can also move to Tacoma Park where we still have declared ourselves a nuclear-free zone. 
That gives me great comfort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's the only self-declared city in America with uh, with that appellation. Maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. Um, so, what advice? Well, I, before we get to advice, what are your you know thoughts or predictions? Not necessarily market predictions, but your own thoughts about the future of the industry, the future of technology, voting technology, the emphasis on big data that everyone seems to have now. Um, and uh, and the number of people who breathlessly follow politics is are the all these things good developments as far as you're concerned? I, you know, I I watched the debate. Um, I watched the debate the other night. Uh, this was the Republican debate, and it was it was great stuff. I mean, it was really interesting uh, to to watch these these candidate candidates duke it out. Uh, so I I think. One of the there's I see positive signs, and maybe that's because I'm I'm an eternal optimist. But I think the engagement of the American people in the democratic process is is only a good thing. Uh, you know that when it comes time for election day, American voters generally make make pretty good decisions, and so I think the the more people are engaged. Uh, the better. Uh, I think predict it as an example is just a lot of fun, which is why so many people are are in there in the market. But it also has, you know, obviously some some benefit in terms of the, you know, in, and and that's a trend I see, and I think you probably do as well. I, you know, our company does uh, foreign campaigns as well, and so we've been in campaigns around the world where the the parties, one of the parties there wants to emulate Western style political campaigns. Imagine that. They want to copy us uh, in terms of how we run elections here. But the right. fact of the matter is they, they, they need competitive elections. Some of these countries are trying, you know, that's democracy on training wheels. But I am I am always impressed by the enthusiasm and the, and the degree of optimism that voters in other countries have, which sometimes seems like it's greater than they are in this country, where we sometimes take democracy for granted. But I, I'm a big, you know, just as a business to answer your question direct, directly, democracy is a growth business. The more people are participating, the more companies and and uh, associations and interest groups that are involved in influencing those decisions. And I think that's and not just on election day, but between elections and the legislative process. So I think anything that that increases participation, I think, is a good thing. And so what advice would you have for folks who want to get into politics, maybe run for office as you did, uh, maybe work uh, in sort of political and voter technology? Oh, great question. So when when I ran for Congress, uh, it was it was a, a huge educational experience for me. I learned a lot about the, the democratic process enough so that I did you know dedicated my my life to working in the democratic process uh, in a nonpartisan way but uh, campaigns are, are are terrific experiences for the candidate even if you lose as I ultimately did it's there, there are it's an amazing process and so my first piece of advice is is you know there's a lot of I, I see a lot of uh, people who are are interested in politics, and when you really talk to them, you can elicit the fact that yeah, maybe they'd like to run for office someday too. And I just think that's great. So I would I would say if you have a hankering to to, to run for political office, high office or low office, you know whatever it may be, chase that dream because because there are there's there, we need as much talent as we can get <laughs> uh, in the in, in the candidates that we have. And the second thing is, you know if it's if it's 
a career in politics is a noble thing, and it's also very, very rewarding. Um, and I don't mean just financially, because financially it's a, it, it's a good business if you stick to it, like any business. But uh, a career in politics where you get to you get to associate with people who have big ideas and some people who don't have big ideas, uh, and and you can you can sort of see how you fit into that. There's nothing better. There's nothing better, uh, and it gets me out of bed in the morning. Oh, well, that's that's great to hear. Yeah, I mean, that's something we haven't talked about too much on our show, but running for office, even if you're unsuccessful, can lead to so many opportunities. I think sometimes people lose sight of that, that, you know, if you don't win, somehow it wasn't worth doing when if, you know, people uh, get great jobs afterwards, they build their networks, they have a successful run down the road. There's all kinds of ways that they can, oh, it can yeah. be helpful. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really it's a really uh, it's a it's a great experience as as you say you do make a, meet a lot of people but it's also just kind of cool to be asking people for their vote I mean you know it's a you're out there selling yourself and your ideas and you're making a case you know you're actually doing something instead of just you know talking about it you're actually doing it right it's certainly easier to ask for things if you've spent you know, the better part of a year, a year and a half asking everybody <laughs> wrong kinds of stuff all day, <laughs> all day long. Um, well, thank you so much, John. We really do appreciate it. How can people find out more about you, about Aristotle, about Predict It? Okay. So Aristotle is Aristotle.com and Predict It is PredictIt.org. So if you come to PredictIt.org, you'll be able to take a look at the current prices on the market. You can sign up. You can even you know, make a deposit if you want of as little as $10. Um, and then if you come to Aristotle, you'll learn all about political campaign technology. Great. Well, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much.